When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 399 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and he's Rafael Bamui. We are definitely somewhere in the middle of coming to terms with the Inter Milan result and looking ahead to Celta and Inter for next week. So that's what we'll be doing today, basically those two things. And I feel like the Inter Milan stuff can wait just a few minutes. I know it's all that we can think about still, but Celta de Vigo is on Sunday. There is actually a La Liga match in between these two Inter Milan games. And Barcelona is first in the Liga table, by the way, heading into that game against Celta de Vigo. So that's kind of the way that that Celta match matters. But we do have to start regarding the Celta match with some bad news. It's not just all the players that we've talked about before. I can't believe I started to list with Bayerin, but alphabetical. well, no, Araujo is alphabetical order. So Araujo, Bayerin, Kunde. I'm already missing so many others, but Memphis. Memphis. Frank coming back. is coming back. The whole thing. Stunned. But Frank Kessier and Andres Christensen have now joined the walking injured. It's a thigh injury for Kessier and a sprained left ankle for Christensen. The news I've seen, Rafa, is that Christensen could be out for almost a month, potentially through basically the World Cup, where he'd go to the World Cup with Denmark, be good for that, and then that's when he would return. And it is crazy to think at the start of this summer, well, basically the end of the summer, that Xavi had also asked for another center back. He saw... After Christensen signed on the free transfer, we heard that Xavi wanted another one. Part of that was because he expected to send Gerard PK packing. And I think that was a like for like PK for some other guy. But just the fact that he was asking for someone else is telling. That said, you know, you don't plan for three starting center backs to all go down in the same month. 
no squad is deep enough anywhere to deal with that kind of injury crisis. But it's just, it is just born bad news. That's what it is. Kessier and Christensen, like having healthy players is paramount. Last year, there was no depth in this team. And last year, the results did not follow. Uh, I agree. It's it's insane. I think I, that's the word that I would use. It's, I agree with you 100%. Like you can plan, you can buy as many center backs as you want. But at the end of the day, if you got three center backs that get injured, I mean, what the hell are you supposed to do? And it's ironic, and I, PK, now literally we're going to be in the hands of PK and Eric Garcia for God knows how many games. Araujo, I mean, uh, not Araujo, Kunde. Uh, we'll see if he comes back against Real Madrid. And then I honestly, if if he's not 100% ready against Real Madrid, I wouldn't risk it because it's not like that's the last game before the World Cup break. We still got seven more freaking games after the Clásico that I wouldn't risk the likes of Kunde coming back. Oh, my God, we need to win a Clásico, this and that. And then he reaggravates that injury, and he's out the rest of those seven games before the World Cup. So Araujo, like, Araujo yeah. is out well, for Kunde, after the World Cup. Well, real quick, Kunde, like, I, I, I wanted to avoid this till later, but as far as the stakes even going on for the next weeks after El Clasico, before everybody leaves for the World Cup, it's still Bayern Munich at home. And there is a scenario where Barcelona do draw into Milan where you have to then beat Bayern Munich at home. You have to beat Victoria Pilsen, and you also have to hope Bayern Munich does beat Inter Milan. And so that there is a scenario where that happens, where it becomes the last gasp is at home against Bayern Munich. And you'd rather have Kunde healthy for that one than healthy for El Clasico. It seems counterintuitive, but absolutely. Yeah, at the end of the day, I, I think that's what Xavi and Laporta, in a way, have to th think about it. Because, of course, we do need to win against Inter at the Camp No, But... If we manage a draw, obviously that wouldn't be the ideal scenario. But if we do manage a draw at home, then we still have some kind of hope, like you just mentioned. So thinking about Kunde, it's like we can't get like 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 a horse, like just seeing like straight ahead, like Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. Oh my God, we need to bring Kunde. No, like we need to think a little bit like bigger picture, like in the league and also in the Champions League, because that game against Bayern at home. God knows what the scenario is going to be, and it could very well end up being this is literally our last hope. So I think that's like Shawi needs to have needs to have that in mind because right now it's and it's the type of center backs that we have. Like we have five center backs. We all know their names. Three of them are kind of like the same type of like those that can play out of the back. They're not that fast, those being Christensen, Pique, and Eric. And then you had the other two who are more like, they correct. They're like, they're like the gladiators, fast, strong, Araujo and Kunde. And now we do, we have two great center backs playing out of the back, but defensively with space behind them and not having that other type of center back with them I'm really curious to see how that's going to play out in yeah. all these games where we face, especially the Clásico, because, because if Xavi doesn't want to risk Koundé against Real Madrid, then dear God, Eric and Piquet and Pellegrin 
or Sergi Roberto against Vinicius, damn, we could be in for a long, long night against yeah. a Brazilian. I mean, yes and no, because we saw even in El Clasico in the preseason that Barcelona have fortified their defense in a really good way. It's not just Ter Stegen. It's that they are only one to three times a game now are they being count are they are they being hit it with that long counter or that well it's really what it is it's a cross field switch of play and if you can do that in your own offensive third you can get off to the races against Barcelona Inter Milan did it three times they scored on one of those times for Real Madrid and El Clasico when they played in the preseason they did it twice scored zero of those times and yes, I mean, you're right that Kunde was also, I mean, uh, sorry, uh, Araujo was also dealing with Vinny Jr., right? So it's like, yeah, the wrinkles individually are, I'm not like saying that Garcia and Pique are going to be able to handle those things. I'm saying that the bright side is that even though it is Eric and Pique, the names on the page make you feel certain things. But what we're seeing so far, again, one goal conceded in all of the league so far this season, that is something to hang your hat on. And there, I believe that there is some kind of institutional understanding of defensively. Xavi has put some things together there. Speaking of the back line, though, what I want to see against Celta de Vigo, Christensen going down for the whole month. When we're talking about Bayern, we're talking about Inter, we're talking about Real Madrid, terrible. Against Celta de Vigo, no disrespect to Celta, but academy opportunities are coming to call in, Rafa. So it's time to take out the hype machines. Let's get on the train. I, I think we should, someday I'm going to get one of like, you know, the choo-choo, you know what I mean? One of those little music bed or whatever, yeah. because it's, it's Academy hype time. Get on the train. Chadi Riyad is next in line. So Chadi Riyad is likely going to be called up for Celta just to be on the bench to be an extra body. He is partnered with Paolo Fernandez, who has recovered well after missing most of last season with injury on just two 19 year olds. They are usually the starting center backs for Barca athletic. They have played 390 minutes together and having conceded a single goal. That's including the way for youth league. And that being Riyad for his little backstory on him. He went on loan to Sabadell two seasons ago as a 17-year-old. He's originally from Mallorca and Moroccan-born, Moroccan-born from Mallorca. There we go. So he goes to Sabadell two seasons ago as a 17-year-old on loan. It was a weird move at the time when they were in the second division. He did only play twice, but he was playing with their first team. And he was practicing and training and doing all that with Sabadell as a 17-year-old. Comes back, plays with the U19s last year. Looks good, looks healthy. And even the other day, he just scored a, a header and a thrashing of Inter Milan, the UEFA Youth League. He's a left-footed center back, not amazing on the ball, but physically won't look out of place. Even in 19, he looks like an adult man. <laughs> you know, he looks like physically hits hard, all that stuff. But he also isn't a black hole with the ball. I will say that. Like, him at 19 looks better than Araujo, who was 19 when he showed up from, from Uruguay. So it's a, a bit better. I mean, he did that being Riyadh has been in the system for quite a few seasons now. So I, I'd say I have high hopes for him. But he has kind of been, you know, he hasn't been a, I mean, the attackers or the, the big talents are midfielders or attackers in La Masia. And those are the ones you got on the headlines. And it takes a, a lot for a backline player. But he's not like a Balde who we kind of have known for a long, long time. Like we had is one of like, what, four to six center backs from 16 to 20 for a while there. That's like maybe one or two or three of them is going to become big. Like of his generation, Diego Almeida was the one that was more highly ranked for a long, long time. And now he's unfortunately very good on the ball, but having some trouble with his defending. So instead of being with Barca Athletic, Almeida is still with the U19s, trying to figure it out. He's got a contract situation as well, and things may not necessarily work out for him, but he was always the more highly rated one. But Riyadh, again, he grew into his body just fine. 
He's physical. He's strong. And I would love to see him play against Alta de Vigo. I would start him against Alta de Vigo. Like, I, whether you got to rest Eric or PK, I think you get, what is it, three academy players? So for me, it's Riyadh, it's Casado, and then, I mean, nobody else. Is, Gabi is a, is Gabi a first team? Yeah, Gabi's registered for the first team now. So, so yeah, that, that's it. It's, it's Riyadh, Casado, and you don't really worry about it. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you wanna grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let, let me, obviously, you know way more than I do about academy players. Obviously, I, I did see Marc Casado during the, the, the preseason a lot when Xavi used him. So let's say, like, against Celta, 
if Xavi is going to use one of those three to four youngsters, I, th- I mean, I mean, I, I think he would only use one. I don't think he would use two as starters in that back line. So if you would have to guess, do you think Xavi would, since Marc Casado played as a right back during mm-hmm. the preseason, I, I mean, I'm not a betting man, but if we would have to choose, do you think that would be the the, the, the safe option? Like, obviously, Marc Casado as a right back, instead of, let's say, even playing Marcos Alonso as a center back. Do you think Xavi would use Marcos Alonso as a center back before he would use Riyad or somebody else? Against Celta, that's what I mean. So, yeah, I think Xavi is going to go with the experienced player. I think that's what managers do. They go with the, I mean, especially against looking ahead to Inter next week. Like, we pretty much know, having what we saw in the second half, that Balde will start against Inter at home. So Alonso will not be starting. So if Alonso's not starting, you might as well start him as a left center back instead of the 19-year-old. Yeah. But the 19-year-old in Riyadh has not, say, earned it and in a way that Alonso hasn't, but that's his natural position. He's looked just fine. And against Celta de Vigo, that kind of should be his level. Like, I know he's down in the third division right now, but of what he's shown so far, there is no reason why he can't step up to that level in that way. Because Casado is interesting because you're right. I wouldn't play him at right back, but in the same regard... I mean, we, we saw last week against Mallorca when it was Balde at right back. So I, I don't know if I would put Balde there either. With Roberto healthy, yeah, you hope that Roberto can be out there, but he also has not been totally fit either. I, I don't know. I, I think I'm being a little bit too over-cautious in the break glass in case of emergency. Like, you don't want Roberto getting hurt because that's a thing. God forbid Sergio Roberto gets hurt before the return lay against Inter. Like, God forbid he reinvigorates his injury against Celta. And so the way I would play this Celta match, I would, I mean... For Casado, I'd rather have him in for Busquets. Honestly, that's what I would do. I know it's not what's going to happen, but that's what I would love to see Busi get a rest against before Inter because that's what Busi needs. So you rest Busi, play a pivot, a like-for-like pivot, and especially if Frankie isn't fully back healthy. I think that's the real question, right? That I think Xavi is going to start Frankie at 70% or Roberto at 70% if he really needs to rest Busi because if they're good enough to start and healthy enough fit to start, then you start them. But again, I, I wouldn't even... I wouldn't even consider that. Inter is that important that I would say, hey, if we're going to win against Celta, let's win this one 7-5 or 7. I don't care. Just let this one go crazy. Let it go nuts. Everybody have some fun. Go out there and get get. Just make sure you end up with enough goals at the end of this because it doesn't matter. It all comes down to Inter the next the next week. So, yeah, it's me with hopeful thinking. You're absolutely right about, I think, the way Xavi is going to approach it. But, yeah, I would just be concerned with over or I mean even even Pedri like Pedri should be rotated for likely Pablo Torre because there's no reason why Pedri should be playing 90 minutes or maybe even starting against Celta de Vigo like one I mean I again with Gabi I mean with Kessier out it's going to either be Pedri Frankie and Busi or is it going to be Pedri Busi and Gabi again but something that'll be the next thing we talk about something fundamentally has to change about that about the way that worked against Inter so I mean, really, I'm asking you then in return, who are you starting in your midfield against Inter? And that kind of dictates who you should be starting against Celta. Thing is, obviously, I, I, Pedri is starting 100,000%. You're that's talking about Inter. Obvious. Yeah, yeah, Well, I'm saying oh, that's what I mean. Celta? They dictate, like, it's... it's it yeah, yeah, that's the thing. That right now, I know the league, like, there's so much to play for the, like, during the league. But it, it would honestly, it would surprise me a lot. Like I, I do agree that it, 
and it would make sense for like to see Paulo Torre against Celta, but Paulo Torre hasn't played yeah. whatsoever. So not to say that it would be something that oh he hasn't played so he can't play against Celta. Yes, he can definitely play, but it would be a little bit surprising to see him start when he hasn't even come in as a sub for the most part. So that that's what I'm trying to get at, and I do agree. Like we. <laughs> Because I, I don't see Inter changing their game plan that much, especially at the count. They're going to double, so, they're gonna triple tap. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> exactly. So if like the the game at San Siro, Giuseppe Meazza, however you want to call it, went one way, th- it's going to be even worse at the camp. No. So you need like you need Pedri to basically pull the rabbit out of the hat. So. I, it wouldn't surprise me to not see Pedri in the starting 11 against against Celta. But then, and this is what's so insane about our current situation, that you would think, oh, well, let's just put in Frankie or put in Kessie. But Kessie literally just got injured. He won't be available. And then Frankie is coming back from mm-hmm. an injury. So, and then let's say, do you, you, do you want to put Frankie instead of Gabi against Inter? But if you put Frankie against Celta and he gets injured again, then you gotta put in Gabi, who I think was one of the problems against Inter. What so time is, <laughs> I'm laughing, but I don't want to because I don't want to cry. Like, that is your only she, option. Like that's ah, because Kessie made it out. Yeah. So that's it. So I would, and then if you give Busquets a rest, which I think would be a smart option, but giving Busquets a rest would mean. You got to put Frankie in that position. So again, it's just like you're trying to like do the puzzle, but it just like yeah, it, it, that you put you put something here and then something's missing from here. So something's got to give. I think Gabi 100% is going to start against Celta. I don't think Pedri's going to start against Celta, and Busi should like both Pedri and Busi should rest against Celta. Yeah, but can you do that? But yeah. because if you put Frankie in, Frankie and Gabi then who's going to be that other midfielder? Like, like, God forbid, you put in Sergi Roberto, Gabi, and Frankie, but two out of those three are, one's coming back from an injury and probably won't be 100%. Sergi Roberto is not 100%. So, and then that midfield what hasn't played together, I would assume. So, it's honestly, I, I, the, thank God yeah. I'm not Xavi right now. Because I, I'm having a headache thinking about it. Because either way, yeah. Depending on just... like we don't. Frankie is a key to that, of course. I mean, we're going to talk about him later too with the Inter stuff. Because yeah, I mean, on paper, is, uh, to mention as well, Alpha Dianku, who can play center back or right back. He also has been partnering Riyad along with Fernandez, and will likely be called up to the bench. Maybe at least he is training with the first team right now, so he's getting a chance. Might get the call. So that's a name. Not to surprise you. He's a 20 year old on loan actually, but he's been better than his loan, so they brought him back for a second year from Granada. Anyway, for, yes, for Riyadh, I, I think that would kind of be a like-for-like swap. Like, hey, just put this guy in, but you're right, we might see Marcos Alonso there instead. Again, having three left-backs is so weird because we'd love to put one of them somewhere else, so that's why we could see Balde back on the right again. Alonso could play as a left center back next to Alba. Again, Alba always plays well against Celta, by the way. want to throw that out there, too. So that's something that I think is going to consider. I think, Alba's, I think Alba is almost a certainty to start against Celta. And then, yeah, then you're talking about right back. Is it going to be Roberto? Is it going to be Balde? Or, again, Casado could play there as he played in the preseason. 
even though more naturally, I, again, I'd love to see him belay as a pivot because I'd love to rest Lucy. But my gut tells me that I think Pedri is the one who does rest against Celta. And we do see Pablo Torre, Gavi, and Lucy, where Pablo Torre is the wild card there in that midfield. And then up top, I mean, you, <laughs> Baron Torres, come on, like have a day. Um, that's all I'm saying for, for Celta de Vigo. And then you don't worry about the rest of it, right? A Baron Torres hat trick against Celta de Vigo, like I think things would be flying high. But so, yeah, so I mean, that's kind of like the Celta situation. I give you the names that we might see, but in a perfect world, that midfield goes Pablo Torre, Gabi, and Busi, and Barca go up, 65th minute. Pedri comes on, Busi comes off, Casado uh, Casado comes on for Busi, as well as Pedri, right? And they and Pablo Torre heads off. So you have two of your three regular starters, if you will, or you get Frankie out there for the last 25 minutes and just give him a run out so he's ready to go against Inter. Because that's kind of what we're talking about next. That's kind of the main focus here. So to, to kind of move to the inter direction and how to quote unquote solve that problem. Cause not to say that Celta, we're not breaking that one down tactically, but again, Celta, I'm hoping it's wide open. Just let's go crazy. Like Lewandowski score your five goals, get some confidence. Let's head in this the right way. But to extrapolate on what Levon and I discussed after the game against inter, if inter, as you already said, we're willing to sit back at home with like with the group in question, you best believe they're doing the exact same thing on the road when they only need a draw a reminder to you, they only need a draw. And after the match, we got to look at, we, we recorded before I looked at it, but looking at the passing network, it's gross. Like that passing network, when I saw that graphic, gross. It looks like a sideways mine car with Lewandowski, this little fishbowl, just kind of hanging out in the middle all alone. This is to, and because it's based on expected goals as well. So it's not a big fishbowl. It's just a tiny little fishbowl because even Lewandowski, not high expected goals against Inter. Pedri was playing and receiving the ball as deep as Busquets on the left. And Busi and Gabi were basically occupying almost the same area, with just a single pass going from Pedri to Gabi with 71% possession. That seems like a problem to me, Rafa. A lot of times, a different player can be the answer. Players do different things, and especially at the top level, when elite skills are more noticeable, Barca will largely have the same team against Inter. So we're going to do... I want you to kind of avoid Frankie in your answer to this, but kind of with this exact same team, because even Frankie, the wrinkles aren't going to be that different. How do Barcelona play between the lines and how do they break through? Or you just assume, I mean, here's the other answer. I'm giving you a cop out here. The other answer might be, because we didn't get your response yet uh, from this game, but maybe you assume that one to three of those chances that Barcelona had, maybe you assume that one of those three goes in next Wednesday and, and you, and you kind of stick it the way it is and say, that's how we played. We're going to get a result. Yes, I do agree, and I think it's been a problem for the most part this season, and it's, I think we're now understanding why Chowie wanted Bernardo Silva so bad. My next note. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, Gabi, bless his heart, he's 18 years old, we love him, he is great for being 18 years old, has fight great defensively and whatnot, but right now, at this moment, I don't think he is good enough or should or should be starting as that right interior because offensively, I don't think he's creating anything. And, and so we're just lacking on that side and everything is just relying on Pedri on, 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 as, as the left interior. Obviously, in an ideal world, if we had Bernardo Silva as a right interior, that would fix a lot of problems. But sadly, we don't. So to answer your question, and I was thinking about it when we were talking about Celta, 
I thinking about those inside spaces and somebody that could play in between the lines, have that great technical ability and decision-making of knowing when to go forward, when to pass, and when not. I think his name is very clear. He's not a midfielder. He's a forward. But I think if there's one forward that plays incredible between the lines, his name is Ansu Fati. I know in an ideal world, I was thinking, okay, now we should rest Gavi and maybe Franchesi starts against Inter at the camp. No, sadly, Kesi got injured. But if we're thinking outside the box and knowing that Inter are just going to park the bus, the double-decker, and we are going to basically face two lines of God knows how many players with no separation whatsoever, you're going to need a player, besides Pedri, of course, that is great te- technique, that can control the ball in tight spaces and not have that heavy touch and also have that quickness and, 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 and a tactical awareness of when, like, I don't know, dribble, pass the ball, shoot. And I think that's Ansu Fati. If you have to play Ansu Fati as an interior-ish, maybe more like, maybe like have Pedri as the right interior and Ansu as the left interior. And I'm talking about, I'm saying interior, but he's basically just going to be like a second forward playing behind Lewandowski. And obviously you're going to have Dembele and Rafinha as your wingers. Then I, I, I honestly think Ansu Fati is the answer to trying to break down Inter Milan, which are going to park the, the triple-decker, the yeah, Harry I mean, Potter triple-decker. Yeah, so, I mean, I think you're right. I think that, like, if you actually look at the heat maps and where positions players are positioned, because of Alonso's inability to have these penetrative dribbles and to really be, a like, a wide winger, like, really to get to the touchline and, and with no ability to get around the opposition which again, isn't his game. Like it's one of those things where we don't, Levan and I said this the other day, don't blame Roberto and Alonso for not doing who they aren't. Like don't blame them for not being who they are. They were who they were and Barcelona live with the results of who they have. And for Ansu and what he does differently than Rafinha, what Inter did well was that they said, okay, if you're going to have Rafinha on the left, so really those are your options A or B, right? You either have Dembele start on the left and Rafinha, if you're going to start those two, then Rafinha has to start on the right and you have to go about it that way because obviously Rafinha coming in, because he wasn't really on the left. Like if you're going to go against Celta, I, I'm piling on Celta and Barca might lose to Celta, but I, against Celta, I'm just saying because it's going to be likely going to be up and down. So against Celta in a game you expect to be a little counter-attacky, like let's get things open, like diagonal balls are going to be there because they're not going to break down the space in the middle. Then Rafinha can play on the left, kind of go out wide, cut inside, something will happen. When you're playing against Inter with five at the back there, you basically have him playing as this attacking eight. Like, that's really where Rafinha was set up, as like this attacking eight. And that completely nullifies anything that he was doing on the field. So you're right. It's either Rafinha starts on the right with Dembele on the left, or your other option is, especially if it's Ansu, then you've got to also get rid of Alonso. Like, it's got to be Balde and Ansu, because Ansu can only come inside if you have Balde Making or making the attempts of penetrative runs around the outside of that back line, their 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 wing back or whatever their right wing back, whoever that may be. Likely, it wasn't Dumfries, which is surprising, but it will be Dumfries likely in the second leg. Yeah, I mean, really, the focus becomes on the left side more than the right, even because that's kind of what worked for Barca in the second half. Looking at the first half and second half passing charts, the big difference was that in the first half and the second half, 
Lewandowski and Gabi were almost not in the field together, like at all. Like they did, did the passing from Gabi to Lewandowski. I think there was one. There might have been two, but I, I saw there was one for certain. I saw, and then the second half passing chart kind of proves the, the Busquets point that I made the other day that as bad as Busquets was for like sixty minutes, where he wasn't even bad, he was just fine. He was blah. He, when Kessier pushed forward farther forward when he came on, and w- w- farther forward than Gabi, obviously but barely got the ball, that being Kessier or anything. Everything just ran through Busi in the last 25 minutes of that game. Yes, Barcelona were pressing. Yes, the intensity was up. But it was also because at that point, the patterns and the progressions had become pretty well known. It was Balde Ansu to Pedri or Eric to Busi, to Roberto, to Dembele, then back to Roberto, to Busi, to Pedri or Eric, to Balde slash Gabi. I mean, sorry, Balde slash Ansu. And just repeat, repeat, cycle, 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 cycle. And then in that second half, one of the wrinkles for Lewandowski was that he almost set up most of his runs to the far post in the second, which did actually work better, believe it or not. Like, I know that we had said that he needs, especially in the first half, you got to open up that interback three by making some runs to the near post. We didn't see enough of that from Lewandowski. But in the second, he set up on the back post quite a bit more to create numerical overloads with Balde and Ansu in the last 20 minutes in anticipation of the Dembele crosses. That's how the goal was scored. And I think that's how Barcelona is going to look to try to get through again. I think they're going to try to create numerical overloads on the left side if they start, if Ansu is going to come inside. Or again, if you start Balde and you're going to try some Demolay thing on the left, or you try Rafinha on the left again, which again is probably a little crazy from Xavi. But if you do that, it's got to be Balde who's got to open up that space for Rafinha by going around the attacker. Like you just, you have to create that space. Again, it's not against Alonso. It's just, you need to have that different wrinkle. And then you defend for your life on the counter, basically, is the answer. Like, you've got to make sure you don't lose the ball in that situation. So I completely agree with the Ansu point that he really might be how this all opens up. So I, I'm going to do Messi in a second, because just like Bernardo Silva, like, having an actual, like, someone to break the line and someone with that final ball would be great. But as far as Frankie de Young goes, I think there was some discourse around tending to put the responsibility on players that weren't there. So I saw a lot about how Memphis adding could have added something different. Not sure about that. And then Frankie de Young, how he could have been the difference. And Memphis, I'm not sure. But as far as Frankie goes, do you think he can be the difference maker? Like, let's say, like, Xavi kind of can't change anything when it comes to the front five, if you will. But Frankie for Gabi is the one difference in that starting lineup. Does he solve Barca's penetration problem? Like, what does that fix? I don't think, I mean, maybe the word is not solve them per se. But I think he lessens the problem instead of having Gabi. Because I think offensively, Frankie de Jong is way better than, than Gabi. Of course, it would be 100 th- times better if we had Bernardo Silva or a Messi. But given the players that we do have, I think offensively, there's, there's no question about it. Frankie is way better than uh, than, than Gabi at this moment. And... and, and, and that's why, like, even when Kessie came in, I, I, I know that it's, it's like, take, it's, I mean, it's, uh, what's the word that I'm trying to use? I know I'm taking advantage a little bit of this situation because when Kessie came in, also Ansu Fati was in, Valde was in. So it was a complete team that the one Gabi was playing with throughout the entire game. But, well, I, I don't know. I just, I just saw a little bit more, like, intention of, I mean, I'm, I'm very old school in this aspect. Like I, I feel like a grandpa. Like I love the eye test, and then I like to look at advanced stats to, to quote unquote corroborate 
what I was seeing was actually true or I was making it, I'm making it up in my mind. But I don't know. It just felt a little bit different. Like with, like having Kessie as the, as the interior, like it felt like more oomph on that right side, more penetration, like more dangerous. But with Frankie, I think it would be way better that than with Gabi. So to answer your question, yeah, I think it would be better. I don't know if it's it would solve. Like I'm not saying like it's just like this, like these uh like the the toy machines that you like just the claw, you just pick it, put him in yeah. the starting eleven, and it'll fix the entire problems. And we were gonna break down Inter's defense like that. No, I don't think that's that would happen. But I think it would make Barcelona starting eleven better than Gavi right now because I think Gavi it's just since this season offensively I don't think Gavi has been up to par and at the end of the day it's the same problem I think we've had since the end of last season where the opposing opposing team just overloads the middle and just has to worry about Pedri not pulling a rabbit out of the hat which he does a lot of the time and just hey If you're gonna beat us, you're gonna beat us with your wingers that don't score more that basically don't score, which are Rafinha and Dembele. So it's just like Pedri's not gonna beat us, Lewandowski's not gonna beat us. We're gonna put three center backs on on him. So if you if you're gonna do something, Rafinha Dembele, it's up to you. Crosses. And yeah, fifty cross didn't so, do it. Yeah, I mean Frankie De Young will not be combining with Lewandowski. It's not like they're gonna create some one-do connection. Like so any expectation that they're going to be able to break through the middle with the ball at their feet. But what Frankie can do is he can open up and stretch that back line a little bit with some verticality. And that truly what was been saying. And that is, I mean, again, it's not necessarily against Gavi. Like he's doing something wrong. It's that Barcelona need to break this down. They need something different. They need something extra from Gavi. Like, and that's, what's so interesting about Gavi that against a Bayern who don't, aren't going to sit it back like this against you. Like, Gabi's my pick to play against Bayern still because yeah. like Gabi, I mean, he played really well against Bayern last time. Like he's up to those games where things are happening on the level. But then again, when teams are just are, are completely broken down, I mean, it's, it's why I would pull my hair out against the clubs against Hadafes and Kadith when Leng Lei would play, because I go like, there's no reason for him to be on the field right now. Like they're basically playing against 10 because he just <laughs> like, he wasn't, his balls weren't penetrating. And he was just standing there, right? And he's just waiting for the other team to counter and maybe get into a foot race with him, right? And so you're just exploiting his weaknesses, and that was it. So it's like, how do you get the most of the players on the field in the situation they're going to be in? And Frankie being healthy is certainly going to be helpful. Even if he doesn't start, I just want to see a little bit more, you know, I, I just, I mean, different lineup even. Uh, just a different lineup to start, like a different position in Rafinha because, I mean, he was basically a lost, he was a black hole. It was a lost cause. And speaking of different players, different roles, It is funny to me that in the same week that we asked, how could Messi fit back in? We immediately get the answer. Like the next day we watch a match and we go, oh, I see exactly where Messi would have fit in this game or what he would have done or how he would be useful. <laughs> so Vice President Eduard Romeu has said that it is possible financially. So I guess you have to believe him. Another wrinkle here, of course, is that tug of war between PSG and Barcelona. That would continue on. Obviously, PSG, big fans of FC Barcelona and vice versa. There is nothing politically going on behind the scenes in any way at all between those two. So I, I think I've gotten a little bit of your messy take, but let, let, let's hit it again, because while it was rumors before, it seems like these will persist. I think these will persist. 
the thing with Messi is, and I know I might be in trouble, like the Messi hive would probably like attack me. I, I mean, there's no denying his quality. He's arguably the best player ever. This is a safe place. This is a safe place. We're getting rid of the word arguably. We're getting rid of the word arguably. Like, but, and the best player we've probably yeah. ever seen in our yeah. lifetime. But, and he would fix those problems a hundred percent. But the, we're talking about a specific scenario, and you're not going to bring in Lionel freaking Messi back to the, to the club to just kind of have him like breaking case of emergency type of thing. Because then against a Bayern, you like you said, it, and I agree with you, you do need a Gabi type player in, in those type of games because Messi in that right interior role isn't going to do what Gabi would do against Bayern. Obviously, that like talent difference aside. And right now, the way Xavi likes to play, you're not going to play Messi as a winger. And those like like Xavi likes to play with young, fast, dribbling wingers, and Messi isn't that anymore. So it's to me, it's honestly, I'm a big person that sometimes, I mean, not sometimes, like when you let go, you need to let go. Like you need to move on past relationships, like the good times, the bad times. And I, if if we're talking about this, like would Messi fix things in these type of games? Of course he would. Like I. I totally agree, but so would a guy named Bernardo Silva, who's yeah. 27 years old. And I would rather have, I know that having Bernardo, we would have to pay like 80 million and Messi would come in as a free transfer. But then the, the, the salaries, God knows how that would work because it's not like, I don't trust uh, Javier Tebas. So that little caveat of like, oh no, he's going to earn uh, way less. Yeah, that could be like that's that could be said, but then at the end of the day, Javier Tebas, like he did with Dani Alves, he could be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're not gonna like for the financial fair play, you're not gonna tell me you're gonna pay freaking Lionel Messi two million per year. That's not gonna fly by me. So we also have to take that into account. So I would rather if we're talking about like the this specific type of player that we're lacking creative inside that can create between the lines i like messi like uh, to me and i know sadly we're gonna keep reading about this and oh my god like we're just gonna keep reading about this throughout yeah. the entire season and then during the transfer window the, the summer transfer window it's gonna be a hundred times worse but for the love of, like if we're gonna literally be talking about signings let's talk about bernardo Silva. That, that's my opinion. Like, let's try and bring in a 27, 28-year-old midfielder that's going to be here, hopefully, for the next five, six, seven years. And not Messi, because Messi is just going to be like, a, we say in, in Spanish, like a, a barcho. Like, it's just like a little rubber stem that you're putting on a injury that's a little bit deeper for a, for a sticker. Like, Bernardo Silva would be a present and a future yeah, I mean, solution Messi would, for this like well, Messi would just be right now how long well, is Messi going to be point, at Barcelona right like I think if back? he came back to Barcelona and chose to came back to Barcelona he would likely sign the same contract with that Iniesta did which is that basically a lifetime Kool-Aid contract where it's like the number does not matter the salary does not matter like it does obviously like you report as a league and for Barcelona's financial sake like the numbers do matter but in terms of Messi's intention, like it's not like other teams are bidding for him. Like he's choosing to come to Barcelona at any number 
He's got a lifetime contract, right? Like whatever it may be based on what he's done for the club. And he would be coming back in basically the same role that Xavi and Iniesta played in their final seasons as well, where you'd only expect him to start 20 minutes, uh, 20 games of the season. You wouldn't expect him to start in the biggest matches. And so the question becomes like, can Barcelona, not us even, not even the Kules, like can Xavi and Laporta and the club, can they get it in their brains? And can Messi, is he, I mean, for, for all of what he is, like the guy still wants to start and play every minute. So like at 36, or is everybody going to be on the same page as to what his role can be? Because if he, unless he is that, because I mean, he would be the greatest, I mean, he's the greatest player ever, but at 36 still, he would still be the best break glass, glass in case of emergency option that exists in the world. Like imagine being able to put on Lionel Messi in the, in the 65th minute when you need a goal. Like that changes a game in a way that just we've never seen before because we've never had Messi at 36 years old. So that's the point on him. Just to put a little bit of a damper on the Bernardo Silva thing, by the way, though, he does turn 29 in August. So if you spend 80 million to get Bernardo Silva on a five-year deal, you put Bernardo Silva at 34 years old, five years after when that contract is up. So I just wanted, I'd like, I just want to throw out the idea that getting him away from Man City at the age of 29 and likely to have him sign a four to five-year deal, that is, it becomes risky very quickly. The same thing with like, even a Kevin De Bruyne, like, the guy is 30 now, right? Like, it's like, it, there's this weird thing in world football, I think, because of Messi and Ronaldo, and this is a, a bigger discussion for another time, but I think something's happening in world football where we know that Holland, like, this is, it, it's, we're living in the era of Holland now, and Mbappe is, you know, his reputation has taken a hit, but I think most people understand what he is. But, like, Benzema's 34, going on 35. Lewandowski is a few months younger than him. You have... Ronaldo is still out there making headlines, of course, as he always will, at least on social media. And Messi still exists at PSG, Champions League. We still talk about Messi. But there is certainly this thing in world football where guys even feel too young right now in the Pedris and the like. And I mean, Holland, again, is kind of entering into that, into his prime. And then you have players that are still, that we're still talking about as he stars, that, are, that were still kind of over it. Like, I mean, I'm asking about a guy like, Mohamed Salah is is Salah I mean even he is he's he's 30 like he's he's entered like it before we know we're gonna blink and and he's gonna be gone so I'm just I'm wondering if there is a group of players from 22 to 25 26 who are really in their prime right now that Barcelona are looking at or like that even world football looks at like I, I wonder if you, we talked about such a high standard for a certain generation of players like even even Bayern Munich right like they're team like no disrespect to Sané and Mane who's also 30 and what's the other one I'm thinking oh Gnabry like they're two players that I still think of when we watch them is Muller and Musiala that's who it comes down to a teenager and a guy in his 30s and it seems like all of these teams are built like that like it's a baby and a grandpa like that's, it's all of it seems to be built like that and I, I would just it's it's just, it's an odd thing to me and I think it's a kind of a different time I agree with you because, like, even if you look, if we look, like, it's, it's, I think it's inevitable. If we look at our lifelong rivals, like, you're the comparison you made babies and grandpas, they got Benzema and, and Modric, who they, like, literally, you, when Modric is not playing, it, they're, they're a yeah. different team. They can't break down for the most part, like, good teams. They still need their 37 year old Croatian god midfielder. When things like when the push comes to shove, and they and haven't been like, yeah, they bought. They need their, come on, we got. They need their guy. They, they, yeah, 
Exactly. So, and then it, it's so difficult. I, I completely agree with you because at the end of the day, like we, we're not going to buy Musiala. I mean, uh, I would love for us to have Musiala, Everybody but we're is. not going to get Musiala. And then the other guy, like the other midfield sensation along Pedri and Musiala is Jude Bellingham. And that's he's, well, probably going to go to Liverpool, Real Madrid, God knows. Yeah. Exactly. So at the end of the day, it's just like it. You need like we do know we we need a solution to for for Pedri, like to pay for Pedri to have a like a Robin in the midfield, and Gabi may be that guy in the long term, but right now he isn't, and we still need to compete and try and win all the titles. So what do you do? And I that that's the conundrum that I don't think there's a correct answer. It's very difficult. Like Messi is a very great glass in case of emergency. Would Messi like be uh, willing to accept that role? And then when Messi's doing great and Xavi decides to put in Gavi, it, it's, it's, it, I think it would be a very difficult thing to handle if Messi isn't the one that, like Messi needs to be all in because if Messi isn't all in and he comes back and starts making faces and walking the But that's what I'm saying. Then, that's the thing. He wouldn't oh come back God. under the circumstances. He's only coming back as like, I love Barcelona and I want to end this the right way. Like that's the way Xavi and like as as romantic as it sounds, he's only coming back for romantic reasons. Like I agree with you. Like he he should not be coming back for sporting reasons. He's only coming back because the club romantically want him back and he wants to romantically finish the business at the club that he was raised at and, and lives and loves and all those things. Like that's why he's coming back for all of those reasons. And Barcelona need to make the best of that situation with the romanticism. I mean, it's arguably the same thing with Alves. Like Alves left on his terms. He came back, was able to leave on his terms because he, the money didn't matter to him. And he tried out his best. He played whenever he needed to. And that was it. Like he wasn't the starter. If there was an option to not have him start. And he just came back and did his business and rode off in the sunset. And that's it. Well, but the thing with this, now we're talking about like that right interior problem that we have right now. And I wonder if, because <laughs> next year, if Busquets leave, we're going to have another problem. We don't have that CDM, that medio centro, however you want to call it. So we don't have time to talk about that. Would, I know that. <laughs> exactly. So it's going to be, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be like that would, what is going to take priority in that sense? Because then maybe, and now I, I just like the, well, you're right that Nessie and Busi cannot play together. Ever. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. So that's why, why I'm like trying to like bringing this up and asking you at the same time. Now thinking about it, I was so against a few minutes ago, I guess Messi coming back. It's just short term, short term, but knowing that if Busquets leaves, which could possibly happen it looks like it is going to happen then would you because economically speaking we're not going to be able to get a great ride interior for 80 and then a great cdm for 50 60 70 so would you like not i mean you and then obviously i'm making this question for everyone in the comments would you be willing to have messi come back short term under a quote-unquote low salary, however low it could be, that Tebas allows it, and then spend on whoever. That's another discussion. I know you made I'm still it. Thinking great about it again. Talking about <laughs> I, I exactly. That. Yeah. Who could be that? Not Bussy's successor because nobody's going to be Bussy, but 
We are CDM for the Exactly. So, and then spend on that players. So, it is complicated. And now I think that I thought about it, I was like, now maybe Messi coming back for a year or two doesn't sound that Well, if Barcelona find a way to get Alba and PK off the books and Busi doesn't return... How odd or weird would that be for Messi to roll back up at the club and his old friend Ter Stegen is basically the second captain because he looks around and he's like, oh, I mean, even if him and PK aren't friends anymore, like we know, like it's just Xavi. Like he's looking around now and he's like, all my old, all my old mates are all gone. Like it's just, I mean, him and Lewandowski, I bet would go down. I bet they'd get on just fine. I'm not too worried about that relationship. That was a fun, my bad. That was, it's, that's what, this is why I hate love transfer uh-huh. windows and whatnot like there was a i think it was a paris fashion show and um daniela simon uh says fabrica's wife took a photo with antonella and uh Lewandowski's mm-hmm. wife the three of them and people already on twitter like look oh uh, how ironic that we're talking about messi coming back and messi's wife and Lewandowski's wife are together via well that's, that's not what i got i got that says fabrica's coming back it's finally uh, ah. it's finished. <laughs> yeah, for, for Barca. I think I think Fabregas is actually retiring officially this year, or this is either his last year or he did already retire. I'm, I, I'm trying. To, I think oh, he should be playing second. one second. Yeah, yeah. So I think Italy, it'll be yeah. Anyway, but yeah, the well, one thing that I I I, I just yes. wanted on record, Dan, because I know that since we're talking about like whether we could spend on Bernardo Silva during the summer. Or we should bring back Messi on a free and then pay him whatever the salary that he ends up earning, buying a CDM and whatnot. I think it's very interesting, and I know that I I'm a repeat offender of talking about Erling. You know that I'm I'm one of the conductors of I'm the a, Erling Haaland yeah. hype bus from way back. So I, I just want to throw this out there because we do need to not I mean I say I'm talking about Haaland because you know I, I love him. I'm a fanboy of him but whether it's Haaland, Mbappe, Darwin Nunez if he ends up leaving Liverpool because he can't understand Jurgen Club like he said after the the team meetings like whoever the next big sensation up top could yeah. be available for like in 24 2024 2025 like I do think Barcelona meaning Laporta, uh, Mateo should have that in mind when doing these type of right now um, scenarios, because I would I think this I mean it would it wouldn't be a smart decision that when these players if they do become available and I do think they will Haaland I don't think is staying his entire career at Man City and Mbappe I do think he's eventually going to leave PSG. Then you're going to have the likes of Jude Bellingham, Musiala, who knows if he's going to become available or just going to stay at Bayern forever. And even that with Nunez, like you never know when those type of players are going to be available. But you're, if you want to be a player in those sweep, ta- sweep takes, you're going to need to be in a good slash stable financial well, situation. Well, that- so what you do now is going to affect if you're going to be able – to enter those sweet say sweet take, well, because that begs the question. Stakes. Like the, the kid right. from Brazil, I mean, he's what he's 15, about to be 16 or whatever. Hendrick, like 
this kid is at 15, 16, oh. I mean, this kid is really probably going to be good. Like at some point, this kid is going to be really, really special, but he will never fit Barcelona's timeline is a consideration, right? Like, cause he will financially either like they're going to Bart, that being Barcelona are going to have to buy him from Milan or Juve or, I mean, it, back in the day, it would have been PSG where they got Ronaldinho. They're going to have to, or Arsenal, like they're going to have to get this kid from somebody else because that's like Barcelona are not going to bring this kid over from Palmeiras at 19 and give him enough minutes and have him be important enough. Like, and I think that's this weird thing where it's like, yes, Barcelona can trust their own academy, but like a heavy investment in youth, like it's not that, it's not the way it works. I mean, and we've interestingly enough seen Real Madrid did it with Vinny Jr. and it worked out for them. And it's not like Barcelona have never done it, but it's like, especially with their forwards and their stars, like that's not what Barca do. They build their youth through their own academy in a way that Real Madrid doesn't. And then they buy established talent where Real Madrid does the opposite, where they will buy established, they'll buy young talent for gobs of money, develop them on their own, make their own stars. And then they ship all their own kids and they send them anywhere else to pay for those the other young kids they brought. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like the foreign, the other the foreign, but the other kids yeah. that are foreign from the club. Okay, so last quick thing here, speaking of sales and all that stuff, away from the field, I'm almost embarrassed to bring this one up, but I have to bring it up because the embarrassment is not ours. It is that the Bartomeu regime should always feel embarrassed about everything all the time. So I'm bringing up that Griezmann will reportedly be sold to Atleti for 20 million instead of 40 million, putting that watching minutes and clause and all that business to bed before it got too out of hand, before the clubs went to the courts again. Apparently they've gone to like the, the ninth circuit court in, in Spain, like 12 times together. <laughs> Atleti and Barca are always there together. So in the end, Barca pays for Jao Felix for Atleti by buying Griezmann. Then they give them Griezmann for 20 million. Yeah. Geez. I, 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 it's the end of the show anyway. So Rafa, I'll give you have the final word on this one. I do have almost no words because I agreed it was a bad idea. Like I have all the receipts. I host a podcast. I've been doing it for years. It was a bad idea. It happened and it was way too much money. It wasn't even the money that was a bad idea. The whole fit was a bad idea. And it was too much money. Goes to Atleti. They get a young player in Jao Felix. I don't care how it worked out for Jao Felix at Atleti. I don't care how that's going. But anyway, they got one of the young talents that you're talking about in the world. By with the money they got from Griezmann, who was never going to fit at Barca with Messi, didn't work. And then Barcelona were desperate to get him off their books, and they found a way to get him for twenty million. I mean, is there should we be happy in any way that Barcelona got something for Griezmann, and they have his wages off the books in the future, so they got rid of a future headache? I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you're looking at the glass right. half full, of course, if you want to be optimistic. But at the end of the day, if we like when this like transfer gets analyzed in from like in 10 20 years nine out of ten things that are analyzed are gonna come back and say that it was just a disaster it is what it is and and then on top of that we ended up paying what like apart from those what from the release clause i think we paid like 10 or 20 to like uh because i atletico were taking us to court because we like that release clause, we activated it, and it wasn't 120. It was more than the year before that when it was 100. That was the whole Griezmann documentary that he did with PK. And I was, this is all. It's a circus, and we ended up looking like complete fools and everything because of the Bartomeu regime. Then the, Laporta and Mateo, I think they tried their best 
to get rid of the wages. It wasn't that easy. Uh, and sadly, it's like Barcelona's history, we're awful at selling players for the most part. Like there's a few exceptions here and there, but whether whoever's president selling wise, we're like, I, I, I we think were the only thing I'm throwing there is that players never want to leave. And it's totally fair. Like we've been to Barcelona. Like you just, it's, oh, it's hard to get rid of no. players because they don't want to leave. And it's like, it's just, it's what makes it, it makes it impossible. No, I agree. I agree with that part. Like it happens with Madrid, with Barcelona. Like if a player has a contract, like there's nothing that, like you can't force them to leave. They they can stay, and it is what it is. But I'm saying like selling wise, like even this, like how like the way we negotiated like with Atletico, this whole minute fiasco thing. Like I know we were desperate to take Griezmann off the books. I understand that, but also in the negotiation, I would have expected a little bit more from Laporta, Mateo, whoever was like literally in charge of that. Because this whole Griezmann, oh, did he? Does he have to play this amount of minutes in the first season, the second season? Do they count? That this was just yeah. circus as well, and that wasn't Bartomeu. That 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 was this board. So obviously, ninety percent of this is because of Bartomeu. I'm not saying I'm not saying otherwise. I'm just saying that this whole minutes restriction uh, circus that we were in, and now we have to settle for. The uh, instead of 40 for 20, this was this board. So hopefully down the road, it, it's just like, dude, like we could have had this in Britain or be, like more so that it was way easier for Barcelona to get those 40 instead of this whole fiasco that now we're like looking at, oh, at least we're getting 20. So oof, we're getting 20, we're getting rid of the wages and whatnot instead of getting 40 for, for Griezmann. So Honestly, this whole it's it's just sad, Dan, that when we had Coutinho, we'd be like, Coutinho is by far the worst fiasco. Yeah. And he, he <laughs> is, by the way, in my opinion. But we then had it wasn't yeah, enough with 130, 140 Coutinho fiasco. We then made 120, 140 fiasco with Griezmann. It's like oh, it was it was insane. it was a wild ride. So I'm hoping the ride is finally getting to its end. So again, thanks so much, uh, Rafa Bartomeu, defender Aldemui. I think that's what you're saying. I said it right. No, no, no. <laughs> we all heard it. We all got it. All right. No. Don't throw the yeah. trolls at me. They already tell yeah. me that on Twitter that I'm I I'm pro Bartomeu. Like, oh so anyway, uh, it's 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 Rafa Aldemui football. Make sure you follow Rafa down in the link below. Follow through. Most importantly, I know you, especially if you're here with the podcast, still you watching my match reviews, all that stuff. If even if you don't speak Spanish, tune in on Twitch to Rafa's press conferences with Xavi after the matches. Before I'm, I'm writing my headlines, I'm filming, I'm editing. So you've got some time. You got a buffer window before you check out my headlines. So in that interim period, make sure you check in with Rafa. Even if you don't speak Spanish, you'll get some sentiment. We'll you'll pick some things up, and you'll figure out, you know, the immediate reactions. It's, it's why I knew from the headlines to talk about the penalties and the non-calls. Because there's one thing about Twitter getting mad about no calls or penalties. It's another thing of Xavi to pop off. So that's how Dan, the chat after <laughs> the not, Dumfries yeah. no penalty. Okay. Well, I think, I think, I think we're, enter we're, we're entering the not safe for work territory. So I think that'll wrap up another edition of the show. Again, follow him. Follow us at the Barcelona Potter at LMD13. For me, Facebook group, Patreon, YouTube. 
merch store, you know where to find us. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon for Sparta. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.